Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Uh, the start of a new year is a great way to reinforce uh, and, uh, and just embed some of those spiritual disciplines into our daily routine. Um, because we understand and we must understand as God's people that His Word truly is the foundation for everything else that we do. God's Word is the framework by which we live our lives. Amen. And today, sadly, uh, it, sadly, when I say sadly, in some regards, I mean, we live in, a, in a, an age where the Word of God has never been so freely, readily available, so accessible. But I say sadly because I think we've never had such a biblically illiterate um, uh, generation, even in the church, as we do today. And so we must understand that the discipline of digging into God's Word, the discipline of just opening those pages and meditating on God's truth, realizing it's not a history book, a history book with some nice ideas, realizing that this is a living Word. And... and you know, the, the Holy Spirit wants to do so much in us as He shapes us more and more into the image of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit uh, will always resonate with the Word of God. It's the Word of God that determines what we should be able to expect in and through the Holy Spirit functioning in our lives. Um, I, I want to begin today by asking a question. The question is this. When things get a little bit rocky... When life throws some curveballs at you, when times are tough, uh, when something just un unexpected just pops up and you are rocked by trouble or a trial or something unexpected and not pleasant, where do you turn? Where do you turn? Think about it. Even when it comes to establishing your personal framework for life and for morality you know where are the boundaries how do you establish those boundaries what are the what are the principles that you live your life by let me be really really specific when you face an unexpected health crisis and that's one of the ones that will just pop up out of the blue and many many people have to face that how do we face those things? Where do we find uh, the, 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 the courage or the strength to navigate that, to handle those situations? Every single one of us needs something to lean on. So what is the something that you lean on? Or when you're grieving, how do you kind of process that grief? How do you handle that grief? What gives you the right perspective on grief and loss, the courage to face loss. What helps you kind of just go on and navigate the future? So when your circumstances suddenly change and you find yourself in a place of great uncertainty, where do you turn and how do you stay on your feet? For some people, sadly, if they're going through life, Everything seems to kind of, all the ducks have lined up and it's, everything seems to be traveling really, really smoothly. And then suddenly something out of left field totally rocks them. The rug is pulled out from underneath their feet. 
and they have to totally rebuild their lives. So what is it that gives us a renewed sense of hope towards the future, the stability that we need in those times? What is it that stops us from becoming bitter? That's a good question. Where do you turn to to, to, to find a glimmer of hope in those kinds of circumstances? Friends, these things happen to people every single day the world over. And every single person responds to those challenges and those uncertainties very, very differently. Sadly, some people just can't handle it when the pressure is on. Some people can't handle uh, just those unexpected crises and they just feel like totally giving up. For many people, just the background noise of 21st century life and living creates an underlying sense of uncertainty, anxiety, a, a sense of impending doom. And so we have things like anxiety and depression absolutely spiraling out of control because the background noise of 21st century life and living is just causing all kinds of issues of mental anguish and mental illness. So what do we do with that? Others attempt to escape the realities and the challenges of life through substance abuse. And it's their only way of escape. And friends, here's the thing. When people have no sure foundation upon which their life is built, there are common patterns that emerge uh, in those people's lives when they are confronted with unexpected challenges and crises. The first pattern that you see is escapism. And, and they do whatever they can to try to run away from or try to ignore the reality of what it is they're facing. And they either run away emotionally, some people run away physically. Dare I say, some people run away spiritually. And as they try to self-protect, there is a kind of denial of the reality or the gravity of whatever it is that they're confronted with. And because there is a lack of sure foundation to stand on, the only way that they can cope is to try and somehow pretend that the problem doesn't exist and so it's escapism. They try to escape it. Now the second response that you see quite, uh, quite often is almost the opposite of escapism and that's cynicism. They're not only very much aware of the problems that they face, but they actually become preoccupied with the problem. And the danger of becoming preoccupied with your struggles or problems is that you can slip into a victim mentality that can be a breeding ground for cynicism. And you begin to get critical of everybody and everything. You even become critical of God. And it's a really unhealthy place to be. Because cynicism can be deadly in that it leads to a hardened heart and it leads to bitterness. And, and people who have slipped into that kind of area of cynicism that can really be not nice people to be around. Another common response you see in this day, day and age is what I would call the humanist response. And so you jump online and you get all the self-help books and you want every kind of modern day philosophy to try and make sense of your circumstance and try to better yourself in the midst of circumstance. And so we try to find human reasoning Human wisdom, 
human philosophy to, to try and make sense of what's going on and to try and give us some kind of hope towards the future. So it's a humanist response. Then there's a supernatural response. And when I say supernatural, uh, you can go to any psychic fair or, or uh, uh, new age fair and you'll just see the queues of people lined up to have their cards read, their palms read, their future read, to try and find some direction beyond themselves, to try and help them understand the circumstances that they're facing. And so they look in the wrong areas, but there is a draw to something bigger than who they are. All of these responses, escapism, cynicism, humanism, and supernaturalism, are so evident in the world today. But here's the sad thing. None of those things are an acceptable final authority. Can I hear an amen? So what is our final authority? What do we lean on when our world gets turned upside down? Friends, there can be no greater, no more reliable authority on earth than God's Word, the Bible. Can I hear an amen? It is trustworthy. It is the truth. And I believe it holds the key, it holds the solution to the struggles and the problems that we face. It gives us the strength, the courage, the wisdom we need to say, it doesn't matter what's going on, God is true, His Word is timeless, it is true and it is alive and that is what I cling to and that's what gives me hope. The Bible is the authority. The Bible is the only trustworthy foundation that we can live our lives upon. It is the only trustworthy foundation that will sustain us no matter what life brings. And we've got to remind ourselves every single day that the Bible is the only place that we can find ultimate comfort and confidence, even hope in the midst of the most trying circumstances, in the midst of our worries, in the midst of our griefs, in the midst of our tragedies, in the midst of our sorrows, in the midst of our surprises. Psalm 119 is a great psalm. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And I love it because the author is very real about the challenges of life. He doesn't try and escape it by trying to sound all super spiritual and pretending things don't ever go wrong. He acknowledges, I need help outside of myself. He acknowledges that suffering is something that he is very familiar with. He's acknowledging that I'm going through hard times even in the present tense, in the context of writing this psalm. For example, in verse 81, he says, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in what? Your word. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to wait patiently for God. I'm going to wait for his truth, his promise to come to pass. I'm going to wait I'm going to wait for these promises of God to become a reality for me. I'm going to wait for the wisdom that I need, that only God can provide to help make sense of my current sufferings. And he says, I wait for your word. And friends, it's a really, really healthy attitude. He's not waiting for human reasoning to kick in. He's not relying upon his own feelings as the guide for how he should be responding. He's certainly not allowing himself to become cynical. 
But again, at the same time, he's very real about the pain that he is facing. Verse 85, he says, The arrogant dig pitfalls for me, contrary to your law, but all your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for men persecute me without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. That's so cool. So he's saying, you know, there's people out to get me. They're trying to wipe me out. But, you know, the one thing that I have to cling on to that is steadfast and sure is your word, the word of God. He says this in verse 89, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness through all generations, you establish the earth and it endures. You know, for centuries, people have been saying the word of God is just going to fade out. It'll be relegated to some ancient religious text. I tell you, the word of God is still alive and well and growing. And it always proves faithful and true because, again, it's a living thing. Verse 92 says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. He's saying, here's my perspective. The stuff that I had to face, the stuff that I had to go through, it was so deep and so devastating and so painful. If I had not had the word of God to hang on to, I would have perished in my affliction. Friends, here's the thing. Countless Christians the world over will testify to this truth. Many of them are in the room today. That if we had not had the eternal foundation of the Word of God on so many occasions to hang on to, that I don't know where I'd be. Maybe my life would be finished. Friends, in a world that has absolutely no sense of truth. In a world that has no absolutes. In a world that speaks increasingly of my truth. And I, I tell you what, that I hear that and it just irks me no end. My truth. The Bible stands in stark contrast to that 21st century mindset. Because it speaks of absolute truth it speaks of right and it speaks of wrong it speaks of yes and no it speaks of true and false and when the world tells us you just got to follow your heart and be true to yourself it sounds so feel good and we think oh isn't that beautiful but the Bible tells us it's actually a really dangerous way to live because the human heart it says is deceitful above all things so the Bible's saying, don't follow your heart. Don't be true to yourself because yourself is going to let yourself down. In other words, don't trust your own feelings to guide you and to discern what is true. The Bible gives us the measure, absolute truth, absolute right, absolute wrong. What is true, what is not. Bible never ever leaves us scratching our heads with a confused look on our faces, wondering about the issues of life. It simply tells us, as Isaiah writes in Isaiah 31, uh, 30 and 21, this is the way, walk in it. 
Wow, how cool is that? You want some firm direction? This is the way you walk in it. It doesn't get plainer than that. It tells us straight. And it provides us with the solid foundation and the firm direction that we need in this day and age. And this foundation is totally dependable. In the 17th chapter of John is a beautiful prayer. And it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus that we have in the Bible. And in it, he's praying to the Father and he says some beautiful stuff. And we'll just grab a little bit of it. And he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is that you do not take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And friends, right there is the whole basis of our belief in the reliability of Scripture. This is not human counsel. Jesus himself said, this is your word. This is truth. This is divine counsel. This is God speaking to us. In the 20th century, there was a guy called Francis Schaeffer, who was, uh, I think he died in the 80s. But he was a great theologian, great thinker, great philosopher. And he made this observation. And he said, unlike previous generations... People, though they speak of truth and falsehood, are not speaking of truth in the biblical sense or even in the traditional sense to mean that which is true now and always will be true universally. Rather, they mean that which is true now, but not necessarily tomorrow or yesterday, or it's true for me, but not necessarily for you. In other words, truth for contemporary men and women is relative. He goes on to say, but here we have truth embodied in the Scriptures. Here the efficacy of the Word of God comes in. The fact that God really uses His Word to accomplish His purposes, whether men and women believe in the Word of truth or not. It's great logic. Friends, let me say, and I don't know who you are today. I don't know where you are on a journey of faith, even if you might not yet be on a journey of faith. Let me encourage you. You don't have to remove your brain to have belief in God. A lot of people think you do. No, it's only fools who believe in God. It's only those who aren't strong and need some kind of religious crutch just to help them through the day. It makes logical sense to believe in God. You do not need to remove your brain. And I would agree that there is some really inspirational stuff. There is some great writing and thinking that we can lean into that offers us a measure of wisdom. But it is the Bible that actually provides us with the constant. It's the Bible that gives us the absolute truth. So let's personalize it. Where do you turn to for help? Where do I turn to for help? Where do you look for the truth when you need it in an objective way, not a subjective way? We can all talk about my truth. Do you have a firm foundation in the Word of God? Or do you at best only have a really vague sense of truth? 
The trouble with having a vague sense of truth is that people are, can be really, really clever in actually manipulating the truth and twisting the truth to suit their own purposes. And if we're only vaguely familiar with the truth, then sometimes we can gravitate to something that is not quite true because it sounds good on the surface, but because we have no foundation, we're not sure how to judge it as being true or not. I don't know if that makes sense. And we can, we can gravitate to something that might sound pretty good, but under the surface, it's totally wrong. But we won't know that if we don't have a rich deposit of the truth within us. And interestingly, the world talks about truth in very subjective terms, my truth, but it actually never defines what the truth is because it's so fluid, it can't. And I'm then left on my own to try and figure it out for myself. What is true? What's not true? And I actually, particularly for young people, it's like, well, how do I make up my mind? How do I find my moral compass? How do I find the boundaries and the guidelines to, to live in a way that protects me and protects my future? And if we just leave people to determine their own path, to choose the direction they want to go, and then to affirm them by saying, and nobody has any right to tell you any different, you just got to be true to yourself. We're going to be left wondering where the boundaries are. And ultimately, it doesn't lead to freedom. It leaves us just hovering in some place between bewilderment and confusion. And I just don't know. And that's not freedom at all. That's actually bondage. What does it actually take to make us free? It takes an understanding of what is actually true. Jesus himself said in John 8 and 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And as we go back <coughs> to uh, Psalm 119, there is a common theme that is woven right through this psalm. And the theme is this. God, I just rely upon your word. I rely upon your word. God has established his precepts. And the psalmist time and time and time again just reinforces the reliability of, the God, of God's word, the trustworthiness of God's word. He acknowledges that God has given us a moral code to follow. And as we follow God's moral code, it helps with the stuff inside of us that we wrestle with. It helps us define what our ethics are, what our moral code is. It helps us with our integrity. It helps us even in the face of opposition when others seem to be against us. It helps us when we're feeling lonely. helps us when we're at our worst. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. 
And if you read right through that Psalm 119, you will find in Psalm 119 most of the major struggles and battles of life are encapsulated in Psalm 119. Very real, very brutal. But each time the writer returns to the same theme and says, but I rely on your word. I find your word true. I find it dependable. And I realize it's never once failed me. So I'm going to ask the team to come back and we're going to sing that last song again because it's a great anthem to close with to punctuate this. And I'll continue this message next week. I just, as I close, want to give you three really quick benefits, just some take-homes that you can just ponder on and, and meditate on. Three beautiful benefits of relying upon God's Word. And we find them in Psalm 119, in three verses, 98, 99, and 100. And again, these are just three. You could pick an infinite number out of this. It's just amazing. But he says this in 98. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. There's a great benefit right there, wisdom. Who wants to be wise? We need wisdom just to navigate life. And the first benefit is wisdom. Every single one of us has been through storms. We've been through trials and hurt and pain. Some of us bear the scars of that stuff. But the wonderful thing about relying upon God's Word, His truth, is that it gives us wisdom even to bring context to suffering. You can't find that anywhere else. A context to suffering. It gives you that a sense of even though right now things aren't as I would hope them to be, God is a God who redeems even the most painful seasons of your life to the point where so many people will go back in retrospect, look at a painful dark season and say, one of the best things God ever allowed in my life. Because God is a redemptive God to the point where He doesn't waste your suffering. It's only God's Word that can give us that perspective and give us, give us that wisdom. Hand in hand with wisdom is the second promise in verse 99, and it's insight. I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Insight, let's, we could call it knowledge perhaps. Wisdom and knowledge, two pretty cool things to have. And let me say, I don't care how educated you are this morning, all of the university degrees in the world will never ever match the knowledge and the wisdom contained in the Word of God. And the insight that God wants to give you comes from spending time in His Word, meditating upon His Word. And can I say this in, this, in this stage of my life, I just love that deposit of wisdom. Again, the world can't give it. You can't study for it. But the wisdom and insight that God gives you, something that does come with age, and you go, wow, I'm far more adequately able to answer the questions of life. 
And I find myself more and more using the wisdom and the understanding and the insight that I've gained from God's Word to find that right perspective to address my problems and struggles and to encourage others in theirs. Because God's Word is not dead. It's alive, it's living, and it's God's rule book for life. The third benefit in verse 100. I've more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I've more understanding than the elders. It's talking about maturity. I know every single one of us just goes, man, I'd like to be more mature. Doesn't matter how old you are, you just go, I'd like more maturity. God's word promises that as we commit to it, as we meditate upon it, one of the benefits that we draw is a spiritual maturity. We gain maturity beyond our years by relying upon scripture. A lot of people say, and you'll see it reflected in even in that clip that we saw earlier, you know, I'd just like to spend more time in God's word. Like spend more time with God, more time with God. Such a common New Year's resolution. Just want to spend more time with God. I'd like to learn from the mistakes of my past and not struggle with the same stuff over and over again. I want to be more mature. Friends, can I encourage you today? The key to the maturity and the spiritual strength that you long for is in God's Word. So do you want stability? Would you like insight? Would you want knowledge and wisdom and maturity? It can all be found in God's Word and so much more. And and I don't want to in any way try to make make this sound too simplistic. And I'm not wanting to trivialise the very complex circumstances of life that many people wrestle with. It's not my intent at all. I'm not in any way trying to make light of life's very real pains and hurts and struggles. But perhaps if we understood more of God's Word, if we started applying it, maybe we would begin to discover that life's situations aren't quite as complex as they might first appear. Friends, God's Word is absolute truth. Lean on it. It will hold you up. It will keep you strong. It is infallible. There is no authority like it on earth. And in a world that has no idea what truth is, God's Word plainly states it. And we can live by it. And it gives us that fuel in this crazy age that we live in to know that there is a certain hope, to know there is black and white, there is truth. And uh, we need it today. Amen. Let me finish with this reading from Psalm 119 and 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Great question, which is immediately answered by living according to your words. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate in your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Amen. Father, we thank you for the riches of your word. And as we, as we stand today 
in this first day of a new year. Oh God, I, I pray that it's so much more than just a well-meaning platitude that says, oh, I want to spend more time in the Word of God this year. I, I pray that it wouldn't just be that. I, I pray that there would be a yearning within us that just says, I need this more than the air I breathe. I need this to sustain me and to nourish me and to give me a certain hope in an uncertain world, to give me a truth, a sense of truth in a world that has lost any, any sense of truth at all. Father, I thank You for the power of Your Word. It, it is a Word that has endured. It is a Word that is alive. It is a Word, Father, that, that is so filled with everything we need for life and godliness. And so, Father, I pray that You would make Your Word alive in us. I, I pray, God, that we would be committed to it. I pray that we would feed on it, Lord God, and it would nourish our souls for your glory and for our benefit in Jesus' name.